Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us here on episode 86. Well, for those of you who might have listened to episode 82, you might remember that I conducted that interview in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and that was the interview with Madison Cawthorn. Madison has a very compelling story. As you know, he's an entrepreneur. He was a motivational speaker. He was mostly homeschooled. He decided not to finish college. He also had a horrific car accident at the age of 18, and that left him, you know, with his legs paralyzed and needing a wheelchair. And that accident took place almost seven years ago now. But at the age of 25, Madison decided to run for Congress. And I returned back to Hendersonville, North Carolina, and helped the last couple days of his campaign. I was really so moved by the interview we did back in late August and getting to know Madison and, and really just saying this is an incredible person, a person our country needs in leadership. And somebody who I think will be a great voice for the people of Western North Carolina and a great innovator and on somebody who has a, a great mindset of entre- for entrepreneurs. And I think that, um, you know, I just wanted to help on those last couple of days. So I went back to Hendersonville, North Carolina and was with him on election night. And I got to thank my friend Lance Barnett, who actually ran Madison's ground game, but Ma- Madison um, also, or Lance also um, is a good friend of mine and, and helped set up the interview with Madison back in late August. Uh, and so I really enjoyed being in Hendersonville, North Carolina, back in late August. And I love that part of the country. So I said, you know what? I'm going to come back, help the last couple of days of the campaign, be there with, with Madison, his friends and family on election night. And also, I made a promise when I was back in Hendersonville, North Carolina, back in August. Because while I was there, after I completed the interview with Madison, I stuck around that cigar lounge that we actually conducted the interview at. This was a, a cigar lounge called Casablanca Tobacconist. Now, their original business is in Asheville, and that's the Casablanca Cigar Lounge in, Man- in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, just 30 minutes up the road from Hendersonville. But uh, while I was there in Hendersonville at Casablanca Tobacconist, after Madison and his team had left, and I was packing up and finishing my cigar... These are the the behind-the-scenes look at the Agents of Innovation podcast. I met Sam Sohail. It's it's a hard last name for me to pronounce. Sam Sohail. S-O-U-H-A-I-L. Sam has an incredible story. And he's the owner of those lounges in Asheville and Hendersonville. He's from Morocco, came to this country when he was 20 years old. He's now about 35. And he just had this incredible coming to America story. Literally, after I actually sat down with Sam for three hours back in August, having a cigar with him at his lounge, I said, Sam, I need you on the podcast because you are the epitome of the American dream and people need to hear your story. So that's the interview we have lined up for you today. Please stick around for this great conversation with Sam Sohail at the Casablanca Tobacconist um, lounge in Hendersonville, North Carolina. I went back to the same exact spot 
that we we had that for Madison, and Madison's actually a patron there as well. So now Sam has a congressman as one of his customers. Well, the other thing I want to inform you about this uh, this podcast episode is at the end of the episode, for those of you who listen, you know, we always end with a song, a song you've probably not heard because it's, you know, we like to highlight some of these innovative uh, musicians who are on the rise. And way back on episode three, I had my friend Steve Everett on this podcast. And Steve and I actually got together this past June in Nashville, Tennessee, for a conversation with he and I and four other people who had been on the Agents of Innovation podcast, Amy Gearhart's, Andrew Leahy, Mark Cleveland, and Matt Brown. And actually, those interviews are now up on the Agents of Innovation podcast YouTube channel because we recorded, we had a two-hour conversation about all things COVID, about how artist life has been during the pandemic, what people have been doing during the pandemic, it's just uh, and also just how they conduct themselves as artists, as, as business people, really. And we just got into a lot of different incredible conversations, the role of uh, musicians in philanthropy and charity. So I encourage you to go to the Agents of Innovation YouTube channel and look for that playlist on our conversations in Nashville. There's going to be about 13 episodes eventually. They're short between about three minutes to eight minutes each one. Very short. And they're all themed in different ways. So Steve was with me. But at the end of this episode, you're going to hear uh, a pretty new song by Steve called Get There. And I thought I'd pick Steve Everett as the musician on this episode because Steve is a, like me, a cigar aficionado. He loves to smoke cigars. If you think I smoke a lot of cigars, Steve's probably got me beat. Uh, but he started an innovative thing many years ago, well before COVID. You know, we're, we're now used to all these online streaming shows during COVID uh, with all these different artists getting online and playing music for you every week and things like that. Well, Steve was doing that like years ago, like at least 10 years ago. And his little innovative thing, though, was cigar and a song. So he sits there and you listen to him uh, play some music. And then he sits there and he puffs a little cigar and he chats with you in the chat box and everything. You know, people that are he's responding to people who are commenting on the chat box. And he's it's kind of just a cool little vibe, cigar and a song. He kind of brought it back during these COVID times. I think he does it still about once a month. So I encourage you to visit Steve's website and Facebook page and all his social media and figure out when he does the cigar and a song. Uh, that's fun. But I thought since we're going to be in a cigar lounge in this episode, we might as well choose a cigar aficionado to play some music for us here. So we're going to get here a song uh, by Steve called Get There. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty new song. Also, I just want to thank all of the contributors to the Agents of Innovation Patreon page. If you're not yet a patron of this podcast, but you listen, we could surely use your support. It just starts at $5 a month. You get some great benefits, including a shout out right now. Um, and also, you're going to get some um, invitations in the future to uh, private webinars with some of the innovators we've had on this podcast. So if you want to connect with them, I'm going to be, I'll be sending you information on how to do that if you're a, a Patreon. So go to Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash agents of innovation. And you will uh, be able to, you know, make your contribution there. So we really appreciate that. And today I want to thank uh, my sponsors of this podcast, Frank and Jerry Gonzalez. That's mom and dad. Thank you, mom and dad, for being a sponsor uh, and, and supporter of the Agents of Innovation podcast. Also want to 
Thank our VIP patrons, George Lang and Philip Ledbetter. Thank you, George and Philip. You uh, really appreciate your contributions. I also want to thank our innovator patrons, David Healy and Tyler Houston, as well as Sean Gross. Thank you, guys. And Sean's a previous guest on the Agents of Innovation podcast as well. And then, of course, our starter patrons. Thank you to Lance Robinson and Chris Cox. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for your support. And again, uh, hopefully you all can do that. And also another way you can help support the podcast and help it grow is going to iTunes here and your, you know, if you're on your podcast app, whatever podcast app you're on, and writing a review to give us five stars, write a review that will really help grow the podcast. And really, you become my marketing department in that way. And so uh, just doing this on the side and want to want to thank you, but really looking to grow this into a much stronger community of innovators, both ascending and aspiring entrepreneurs and people who really just get it and want to grow. So they're going to have, we're going to have an exciting 2021 ahead. Stay tuned for some updates. But we are closing out 2020, and I hope you've been able to survive this year. I have survived on a lot of cigars. Uh, It's a great way to get outside, uh, relax, stay mentally healthy, and just soothe your way through 2020. I always, I've been saying kind of jokingly, and I and I say this humorously, knowing that hundreds of thousands of people have been affected by this pandemic, both in their lives and their tragedies. But I say a a cigar a day keeps the COVID away, and. I half joke because people see me smoking cigars and probably increased this year. Uh, but I, I luckily been pretty healthy this year. And I just want to thank the Lord for that. And uh, thank you all for listening. And again, we're going to hear now an unbelievable story of the American dream that I hope inspires you that anything is possible, especially here in this great country. Okay, well, the Agents of Innovation podcast is back at Casablanca Tobacconist in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And I'm here with the owner and founder, Sam Suhail. Sam, thank you for welcoming me back. Thanks for coming back. So for those who might have listened to previous episodes of the Agents of Innovation podcast, we were here in late August with Madison Cawthorn um, on episode 82. We were sitting actually almost exactly right here, maybe a few feet over. And um, Madison was running for Congress then. Mm-hmm. He lives here and he's, he was born and raised here in Hendersonville, um, North Carolina. I know he's a member of your lounge. Absolutely. And uh, this was actually the place he picked to do the cigar, uh, well, to do the podcast and a cigar. And um, it was a really fantastic time. I'm now here a couple days after election day and Madison's been elected to Congress now, the first, uh, or I should say the youngest, member of Congress in over 220 years. And he's a member right here, Sam, so uh, in your lounge. Absolutely. Uh, By the way, congrats uh, to you, Madison. Uh, Thanks for being a member with us. Uh, Thanks for your support. Thanks for being uh, who you are. Um, Really appreciate you uh, be here as a customer, also as a friend, and uh, wish you much success. Yes, and I, I, I think that Madison will, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll see all the uh, craziness in D.C., and I'm sure he, this is going to be a, a wonderful place for him to come back home and enjoy his hometown and, see, and be able to basically be with uh, real people, as I like to say, not swamp people. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But anyway, um, out of that, uh, Sam, you uh, have an incredible story. When I was here last time, I met you, 
And I, we sat here actually uh, a few hours after I interviewed Madison and I talked to you for a few hours. Uh, hopefully we won't be on this podcast for a few hours, but you have an incredible life story. And um, I know that this is called Casablanca because you're from Casablanca, Casablanca in Morocco. So uh, tell me, let's go back a little bit uh, to talking about how, you know, I know you grew, you were born and raised in, in Casablanca itself. Born and raised in Casablanca. Uh, I guess we can get into the story. Um, born and raised in Casablanca, Morocco, and uh, take advantage of uh, where we are in travel most Europe. Um, after the high school, uh, I decided to go to the other side of the world and uh, go to United States. Uh, as everybody knows, it's the land of opportunities. And uh, I was always wondering why people call it that. So, uh, 2005, the 5th of September, 2005, that was my first day in the United States. Um, obviously, uh, mom and dad were not quite that happy when I moved That here. was 2005? Correct. Uh, my parents was not quite happy. Uh, mom, she always wanted me to be a doctor because she was in the medical field. My dad wanted me always to be a banker, as he was, and they didn't like it when I wanted to just choose my own career, my own path. They kind of like it, they wish me success, but they really want me to stay near them. And I refuse, I just want to do things on my own and uh, be me. Yeah, so you came here uh, in September of 2005, and how, uh, what, what did you come with? Oh boy, that was a, a really good question. Um, while I was arrived in uh, 5th of September uh, 2005, I did go through the uh, uh, the custom border and they, you know, they asked me for my documents and all stuff and I showed them everything. And then I said, how much money you have? And I put all my money out and it was $300. And she said, no, no, no. I ask you how much money you bring with you to the US, not how much you have in your pocket. I said, ma'am, that's all I have. It's only $300. It was kind of funny. Well, it wasn't back then, but it is now. <laughs> she really was surprised I only bring $300 in my pocket. And um, before I even got here, uh, friend of mine and actually family member and big thank you from uh, from here to them. They promised me a job before I even get to United States, and that was really touchy. I was like, "Wow, that's that seems like really land of opportunities and land that you can be your own entrepreneur." So that was really a good sign, and I always wondering about the U.S. and uh, everybody dreamed to come to the U.S. So. Long story short, I arrived. I started working at the mall, selling clothes. And where did you end up in the United States once you came in? Would you you came in through New York? I came through Atlanta, but Atlanta, I ended up Atlanta, okay. and uh, I end up in uh, Durham, North Carolina. And I have my first job there, working at the mall, selling clothes. And uh, just to let you know that I never studied English before I even come to the U.S. Uh, in Morocco, by law, you gotta study English three languages before you graduate high school. English was not on my radar, so I was speaking Arabic, French, and English at that point. Arabic, French, and Spanish, sorry, no English. So when I have the job at the mall selling clothes, um, a lot of people asking for shirts, I bring them shorts, people asking for shorts, I bring them t-shirts, I just didn't know the difference. I literally, it was no English, zero. Even the numbers, I didn't even know, well, maybe I know one, two, three, four, five, but nothing after that. So while I was a salesman and I want to sell you an outfit, I got to walk around with a calculator 
to tell you how much I can sell it to you for because I cannot say I can sell outfit for $120 or $80. I don't know how to say the numbers in English. So it was a challenge. And yes, some people laugh, some people support, but I, I didn't care, I didn't mind. It just build your personality. And I had a goal and I want to reach my goal. And that was what's important. You can laugh if you want to, but it doesn't bother me. So you were working in the mall 20 years old? Durham? Yes, I was 20 years old um, and with no English. And I was the second best uh, salesperson in the floor. Wow. So you said you wanted to reach your goal. What was your goal? <clears throat> Go be working for myself, um, be my own entrepreneur, be successful, have your future on my own. I don't want my parents help me to build my life, which means that was what they were providing. I even wasn't allowed to have a job in Morocco because then they said, you, you know, you, can, you cannot work. Go get good degrees and we provide you whatever you want. And I didn't kind of, I didn't take it for granted and I didn't like it. I just want to choose my own path and build my own life. That's one of the main reasons I come to the U.S. That's the American dream. That's literally is the American dream. Uh, the first impression I got from the U.S. when I got here, and it didn't take me long to figure out, I find out there is a lot of hardworking people here. Uh, people take pride of what they're doing, and it's definitely the land of opportunities. It's literally, as you said, it's the American dream. It's more opportunities in this country than ever you can go. Um, and your parents, you know, you didn't come from poverty. Your parents did pretty well in Morocco. You said your dad a banker, your mom a nurse? Absolutely. No, it's not like I was starving in Morocco. I mean, uh, my dad was a banker. Mom was a nurse. Um, like, literally, I wasn't allowed to have a job. So if anybody, when I tell that to anybody, they will not believe me for some reason. But no, we, they did good for themselves. And that would make me, I want to build my own life by myself. Because they did it. Uh, their parents didn't help them, so. Did you have any? Did you have any siblings? Do you, Do you have any siblings? I got a brother and sister. Uh, sister in Belgium and brother. He's in the U.S. now. And where are you? Are they older, younger? Uh, my sister, she's uh, a couple years older than me, and my brother a few years younger than me. Okay. Oh, you're the uh, rebellious middle child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> now this makes sense. So you're working in the mall. You become one of the top salespeople, and what's what's the next step for you? That was actually my first job when I come to the U.S. And I know I want to be working for myself. And I don't want to jump quick to the closing business. I said, after a couple months working at the closing business, I said, you know what? I need to try something else before I decide what I want to do. (coughs) From that, I jumped to the restaurant business. And uh, quite a challenge. Extremely harder than what I was expecting. People take advantage out of you. Um, being treated definitely different as an immigrant uh, definitely get paid more less than the minimum wage um, I didn't give up just work hard keep focusing uh, I really didn't like the way uh, people sometimes take advantage of each other it's absolutely wrong it's a poor pay poor condition to work on um, even the treatment it was not it was not up there and I feel sorry for them more than anybody else, uh, but I really learned how to not give up, work harder, and definitely not treat my coworkers because I don't call them employees. My future coworkers, I will not treat them the same way. So you know, it's interesting. You say you kind of, especially the immigrants, but even anybody in that position making you know very low wages, uh, 
probably working a lot of hours. I don't know what uh, what kind of job were you doing at that restaurant? What did you? Uh, you name it, from a dishwasher to a cook to a prep. You just basically got to do what you've been told. Uh, and uh, so, how does that how does that affect your pride when you're you're kind of back there? You're not being treated well, doing a lot of different odd jobs, not making a lot of money. Um, maybe even servicing customers that might be doing pretty well. Um, how does that affect your pride at that point and your ambition to want to go move forward and, and you know have your American dream and create your own business and work for yourself? Well, I always be believer if it's nothing perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and life, it's not a, it's not as easy as uh, some people think. Uh, you have your ups and downs. You have uh, certain things on the way that you got to just jump over it and keep moving. Um, treat me that way. It's actually even taught me to be more stronger, be more patient. And as I told you, treat your coworkers the way they should be. Treat them as human beings. Don't treat them as a number. Um, don't take advantage out of them. Treat them like human beings, literally. Uh, treat them the way you want to be treated, if I would say. And uh, I think it built me even stronger when I work at that environment for a couple months. And I realized it's not, it's not for me. I definitely uh, wasn't interested, so I'll move on. So after I worked in restaurants a couple months as well, I jump into convenience stores, what lead me to gas station and at the end to a uh, tobacco shop. Mm. So uh, from a convenience store, I was working with a gentleman in the coast near New Bern. Uh, then they offered me a position at a gas station, and I take that as well. I uh, worked there for a couple months, then take me to his tobacco shop. You know what I mean? Tobacco shop, it's nothing... Um, nothing crazy. It's just, you know, regular tobacco shop around the corner. They have all kind of stuff and they have a small humidor in the corner. That was the interesting part for that business. Uh, I really like being there. I like, I like to be around tobacco. Uh, I like the customer, uh, that come in and buy cigars and the atmosphere of being around them. And even the conversation that just happened in a few seconds around the counter and they leave and uh, worked there, I think, for a couple of years. And uh, it get time, I was like, well, I think I have a few different experience in the past. So we just got to pick and choose um, which one's going to fit us um, as a family and open our own shop. Um, that was in 2010. <clears throat> so let me back up. At this point, you're, you're still, you're working for someone else in convenience stores and in tobacco stores. And this is this where, is this still in Durham? No, it was actually in uh, New Bern, North Carolina. So I was at a convenience store, and from that same owner moved me to a gas station, then from a gas station to a tobacco shop. Same owner? Same owner. Uh, he just keep moved me from one location to Why another. Why did he move you? Was it, were you, were you doing something good, or was it just random movement? I've been told that he liked my attitude, and okay. I should not be convenience store. You should, uh, I guess... Uh, work somewhere better, I guess, I guess they should. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but he said, um, I like your attitude. Can you please move uh, to the gas station? Yeah, he moved you from the groceries, uh, you know, to to, uh, to the oil industry, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. And from that, jumped to the tobacco. Right. Um, but yeah, honestly, uh, he had a few problems at the gas station and he was short staffed. So he said, hey, do you mind if you help me just a couple of days? And I did. And after that, I was full time. So let me ask you, um, how many hours a week t- typically were you working at each at the convenience store and then the gas station and then the tobacco shop? 
what was your what was your day day to day like? You really want to know? My my uh, <laughs> my listeners want to know. Um, the minimum it was twelve hours a day, seven days a week. Um, that was the minimum. The minimum. I remember I opened a convenience store with uh, with the same guy that I was working with. And I literally was from 7 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week. Wow. Yeah. So I was, um, he got a small office. Uh, just the fact to go to the house, get a shower and come back. I was too tired for that. So I have to stay at the office so I can reopen next day. Wow, that's incredible. Well, so how long did you work at that kind of rigorous schedule? Uh, I started easy on myself at the mall from uh, 10 to 9. And after I left that, when I did go to the restaurant, it was 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So literally, I did that from 2005 until about 2009. You were mostly working 10, 10 12, 12 hour days, seven days a week for, for four years? Literally, yeah. Wow. If I took day off, it probably... It was Thanksgiving because the restaurant closed and the mall closed. Uh, what else do you guys close? I don't even remember. So Thanksgiving, maybe uh, Christmas yeah. as well. Actually, have day in Christmas. The mall did not close in Christmas. He closed half the day. Hmm. Maybe the next day. Uh, but besides that, literally 12 During hours. those four years, did you ever get back to Morocco? No. No. Did your family ever get here? Yes. And uh, a lot of friends of mine, every six months or eight months, they go back to Morocco. And they ask me, you don't jealous? You don't want to go? I was like, no. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm building something here. I'm, I'm, I got a goal that I need to reach. Let you guys enjoy the fun. Go vacation. Have fun. I really wish you success. But literally, I was laser focusing work. Just work and pick up as much experience. Um, learn from uh, other people's mistakes. From, learn from my mistakes and save as much money as I can. And even while I was working under uh, getting paid uh, less than minimum wage, I was able to save some money. So it really taught me a lot of lessons to be in those conditions, even if they are extremely hard. Uh, you just got to keep focusing, keep your head above water, and then you got to keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. So, okay. So tell us what happened next after you're working at the tobacco shop in New Bern. Yeah. So between those three transactions, uh, transitions, uh, sorry, between the jobs, I met a beautiful lady, uh, her name Brooke, that we got married in 2008. Hey, Brooke. And uh, it was uh, it was really interesting. She's a beautiful wife. Uh, she's a good friend, uh, good partner. Just overall, great person to be around. Uh, at that point, when we when I was working at the tobacco shop, uh, we were living in Newburgh, North Carolina, and we decided to move to Asheville. <clears throat> oh, that was a fun one. Um, so when I was working at the tobacco shop, I was working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And I did reach my boss and was like, look, I'm really getting burned up. I need two days off. And he bugged me, what is this two days off for? Because out of the blue. I didn't want to tell him because I was afraid that he's going to fire me. But I want to tell him that I'm looking to open my own shop, so I'm looking for a place to do it. And all of the sudden, Brooke wanted to move to Asheville, North Carolina, because they got a great culinary program in AV Tech. So long story short, um, cut off my hours 
from 12 hours a day, seven days a week to 12 hours a day, only five days a week. Uh, so when I close at 9 p.m. the tobacco shop, I drive five hours to Asheville, go to Walmart parking lot, spend the night there. In your car? In my car. Get up in the morning, about six, seven o'clock in the morning, just before uh get a lot of traffic in Walmart, wash myself. So we're talking, what, three or four hours of sleep? I don't know. I don't know even if I sleep or not. I was extremely nervous, really tired. I mean, all kind of stuff in my mind at that point. Maybe. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Get up in the morning, start driving around, talk to the realtor. I want to open a tobacco shop, run all day long when I'm getting tired, go back again, uh, to Walmart parking lot, spend the night, get up in the morning, do the same thing till about noon, drive back to Newburn six or five hours, get some rest, and get up next day and go to work. I did that about four or five times. Wow. How long did that go on for? Just four or five weeks? No, it took about three or four months. Three or four months. Uh, by the time we find the building, we did talk to the real estate agents here and talk back and forth and negotiate the lease, but we finally end up with a location on 6 Eagle Street, downtown Asheville, and we call it Tobacco Plus. That was actually the start of our entrepreneur uh, journey. It was in 2011. Uh, Extremely excited. Uh, Sky was the limit. And when we open up the first day, we make less than $20. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so what kind of products? This was, this was a, a, I imagine, a pretty small store. And what kind of products did you, um, did you have there for people to buy on literally, day one? Literally, a little bit of everything. We're talking about um, cigarettes, tobacco, pipe tobacco, a uh, few cigars, some drinks, some snacks. So as an entrepreneur, I just want to have a little bit of everything. But in my mind, I really want to open a tobacco shop. More, a little bit more high-end, actually, tobacco shop. As an entrepreneur, I don't follow what I want. I just follow what the customers want. Uh, I look at it that customers pay our bills. Right. We are in the retail business for a customer, not for ourselves. If any of those gentlemen want to certain cigars, I usually ask for it. Give me the size, give me the name, I will get it for you. It's not like, no, I will not. We're here for them. We're here for you. We're here to serve you. So at that point, I was just following customers' need. And a couple years down the road, when I look at the shop, it was not a tobacco shop that I was expecting. It's not, it's not what I have in mind. At the meantime, I realized it was overdue for a cigar lounge in Asheville. Then my mind started working again, and we need to open a cigar lounge in Asheville. Take us about two years to find the right spot. We bought it, and that was in uh, 18 Lodge Street, uh, Asheville. It's near Biltmore Village. And it took us about a year to have it ready. And that was start for uh, Casablanca Cigar Bar in, uh, in Asheville about four years ago. Well, it's funny because the last time I was here, I was just here in Hendersonville and um, spent actually uh, an inordinate amount of time here in your cigar bar in Hendersonville (laughs) between the other podcast interview, talking with you, hanging out with some friends. 
Um, but uh, on this trip, uh, my friend Giovanni, who's who's over here, uh, we actually yesterday was that yesterday? Two days ago? I can't remember. We've been here like almost a week. Um, but we went up to Asheville and we uh, with our with our other friend and we um, we got to hang out at the cigar lounge there. And I my understanding is you all now, that was four years ago you opened it, right? Correct. And you've been featured in. What cigar aficionado magazine? A couple yes, times. we have been. Yeah. Uh, Tell me a little bit about. So, okay, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself here, but no, you're fine. Um, let's go back to that original shop. tobacco shop because you said day one you made like twenty dollars. Less than twenty, I think it was eighteen dollars. <laughs> eighteen dollars, you're like, oh crap, we got to pay the rent, right? Uh, that's and, not and that's, the that's not, and that's not like that's just what you, uh, what you sold right 18 was was that profit 18 dollars no no right. 18 dollars was total income right. per day and at that point i was like that's not the american dream that i was expecting <laughs> so so what was the progress from day 1 to week 1 to month 1 to year 1 what what was the progress in in the in how you evolved in terms of sales and success there so at that point i was working by myself um broke uh, she helped me. And she's, and she's in culinary school, right? At this Correct. Time? At yeah. that point, she is. And even that, she was helping a lot, uh, have everything set up and have all the paperwork ready and uh, all the permits and stuff that we need from the city. So she was really uh, putting a lot of time on that, even when she had school to do. Um, the first day was 18 or, yeah, I think literally it was around $18. Then uh, day two, I think, was around... I think $60. Then day three, it started picking up the numbers. Um, I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but uh, it was funny that we have a little office in the back. And I remember I can have, I can watch full movie on Netflix without a single customer's walking. And at that shop, when we opened, it was 9 a.m. to midnight. And I did that again seven days a week. And six months after we've been in business, we changed it from 8 a.m. to midnight. And I did that about seven, no, about two years, two years straight. No closing, no Thanksgiving, no Christmas, no holidays. Literally open two years straight, even when it's snow. Wow. And uh, it took a lot to build that business, uh, being there all day, every day. Uh, and uh, about a year and a half or so, we tried to step up our game and build uh, our business and be a great business model. So we're trying to invest to a POS system, uh, point of sale. And it takes a lot to do the program, enter the products, receive it and all that. Brooke at that point, she was, uh, she was at the coronary school, as I said. And for me, I cannot do this job while I have customers in and out because at that point, we start having better business. So I remember Brooke at least twice a week. She would come back from the coronary school around Sometimes around 7 o'clock, sometimes if they have dinner, she will not get to the shop until 11 o'clock, 10 p.m. We will not even go to the house. We will stay at the shop, and literally, she will not go to sleep. She will work on that POS all night long. Wow. And in the morning, she changed her clothes and go back to school. And she did that about at least twice a week. And I was like, wow. Now, I know you guys have a couple kids now. How many kids? Three. Three. Uh, did you have any at that time? So far, no. 
And when I see her, it was burning a lot. I was like, Brooke, that's really a lot on you. Let me just let me just give up this POS. We're not going to do it. She, matter of fact, dropped off the college. And she said, you're my husband. I'll do whatever it takes to be both of us successful. And she gave up her career to come help me at the shop at that point because we need help. And I don't remember so many times that we spend the night at the shop, like work all day, go to the office, just take a quick nap, get up in the morning. I open the shop, she go back to school. Just that really touched me a lot to find somebody in your life that are able to give up their career to make you more successful and even her because it's her business as well. That was a lot. I was like, wow. So she true take, love. It's above and beyond true love. Mm-hmm. She take, she should get a lot more credit than what she's getting now. <laughs> she's behind the scene and she's doing a lot more than what anybody thinks she does. She's kind of the planner of the business. She's the one who got the solid long-term vision of any location and what we should do or not. And she's the one who set up the goals, the uh, the budgets and all that kind of stuff. She really needs to get more credit. I think she deserved more credit than what she's getting so far. So Well, you're giving her a little bit right here. So that's great. That's, and, uh uh, let me ask you something, uh, because, you know, it's important when you're an entrepreneur, many, many entrepreneurs will, some will do it solo, but many will have uh, partners, business partners that they're not necessarily married to. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you have a business partner in your wife. Tell me about um, what is your strength in the business and what, and I know you, you mentioned just now a lot of the things she does behind the scenes. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit, but uh, how do the, how do the, the two partnership, the partnership between the two of you as business partners, uh, how to, has a complement and the business success, but also, uh, partners in life too, not just in business. So how does that complement and how does that work itself out? Because I'm sure you all don't, and especially during that time, you're probably always with each other, both at home and at work. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how does that, sometimes people need a break, right? <laughs> but, but, uh, but what, but what, tell me a little bit how you guys complemented each other's uh, strengths. Absolutely not us. We never need a break from each other. It just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not possible. We work great together. Uh, we even still work here together all the time. Um, she's, uh, she just helps a lot. Um, I'm more the face of the business. I can talk with customers all day, every day. I love it. I really enjoy it. Uh, I've been told I'm good at it. I'm not sure, but I love it. Um, She's kind of more behind the scenes. She's the one who um, can do research and come up, as I said, uh, with the planner, with the budget, the vision with the business, uh, crush the numbers. And... Don't forget the great team that we have. Uh, and I cannot mention everybody's name, but thanks to everyone, by the way. Literally every single one of you. Cannot thank them enough. Uh, yes, me and Brooke come up with the concept, come up with beautiful three establishments. Um, and I'll invite everybody, if you never stop by, uh, Casablanca Cigar Bar in Asheville or Casablanca Tobacconist in Hendersonville, please give us a shot stop by let me show you how we do it let me we'll show you who we are and how we do it and how to smoke cigar and have a great day um brooke she's just uh she cannot go to sleep if she have a project so if if she got a numbers that she can need to come up with or it's a plan that she needs she just stay awake until two three o'clock in the morning 
and do it. And don't forget that she's a mother of three kids. And somehow she can make great balance on that. Uh, but for us to be working every day together, it's, it's always fun. Uh, we disagree at work and we should. And uh, when we come to work, we are coworkers. So we can talk, we can argue sometimes, we can have different opinions. And that what make us a good team, that what make us more successful. As soon as we close the business door, me and her, we are friends and husband and wife outside. Um, and we're trying to keep that relationship separate. So when we're out of work, we strictly talk business and um, we disagree. And I don't think anything wrong with disagree. As a matter of fact, you come up with better results when you disagree with your team. And uh, But that's really, uh, that's really important that, and, and, and it seems that, that must drive a lot of your success together because it's got to be difficult to just turn off work and go home with the same person, with the coworker. And, you know, I can, you could, we could probably all sit here and think about many jobs we've had and coworkers that have frustrated us, whether we're friends with them or not. Um, and maybe you even have, you know, you could even have some little grudges, you know, just even if they last a day or something, you know? So it's, I think that seems, that sounds really great that you all are able to have the sense that you can come to work, you can disagree because business owners, business partners almost have to disagree because you can't, you know, you're not always going to agree with every single idea. And maybe you need to put up uh, some questions to the other business partner. Like, why are we, wait, why would we do it that way when it might cause this or, you know, or why shouldn't we do it that way? Because, you know, we could be more successful, right? So I think that that's important that you guys have that strong relationship, the business mindset, but also are able to go home and be husband and wife and father and mother to your children. Um, so I want to go back a little bit, um, Sam, and those early, early days of the, so what, how, where did you, how did you make the transition from the tobacco shop, which, you know, you started with $19 on day one, $18, 18 tobacco <laughs> plus. On, uh, and, 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 and then you opened up the, uh, Casablanca cigars in Asheville in the Biltmore village, beautiful area right near the uh, great Biltmore estate that mm -hmm. was built by the, um, Vanderbilt's. Mm -hmm. Right. And if no, if you have, if you haven't been to Asheville or if you have been to Asheville and you haven't visited the Biltmore estate, that's amazing. But then there's this whole Biltmore village nearby, um, with all these great shops, hotels, uh, amazing cigar lounge, of course, Casablanca cigars, really great vibe around there. Nice, nice shopping. Uh, area as well. And so, um, amazing, uh, cigar selection actually. Uh, and so, but you, I understand, did you, you still own the tobacco shop? Correct. The uh, tobacco me, plus, is that what it is? Yeah. Tobacco plus, uh, me and Brooks who owned the three shops. And let me go back to the yeah. first comment that you make about, um, me and her work together. Um, remember we are husband and wife and I think this is what husband and wife should do. If I'm not going to get alone with my wife at work or at, or at the house or anywhere else, I don't think we should get married to begin with. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's marriage for. It's understand each other. Uh, I mean, she literally give up our, her career for, for us and be more successful. And she did go back to it, by the way, at the end. And she graduated from my take as a chef. And she worked at the few uh, high-end restaurants wow. in uh, Biltmore and Asheville. And she still want to go back and open her Moroccan restaurant down the road. Um, I will be customer number one. <laughs> Please, it will be an honor. Uh, I promise I'll let you know. Okay, thank you. If Madison Cawthorn doesn't beat me there, of course. Well, 
I heard that guy's a pretty good chef and food connoisseur. And, and he's a lot closer than you. I yeah, believe. yeah. But I'm going to try. I'm going to keep my eye on this thing. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think it's just uh, we, we respect each other and we understand each other. And don't forget, we married. We were really young, uh, very young when we got married. I mean, she, it's been a while. We've been together for about 12 years. So we know how each other think. And um, the way we can manage that. So let's say, for example, at the business, if we have different opinions, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. We got to figure out what's the best solution for the business in the long term. That's what we focus on, not who's right and who's wrong. And we're going to keep counting each other. That's not how we do it. Um, and if I think if you can respect people overall, and respect the opinion and not be hard-headed, not just because not of my idea, I'm going to be upset. I think you can accomplish a lot of stuff. Um, even now, yes, my building, my name on the buildings in the books here. But a lot of times I do my coworkers' idea just because I think they are better than my idea. And it's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, that's part of the success. And regardless of the age or the experience or how long they've been here, just listen to your coworkers. You want to be successful? Number one, treat people the way you want to be treated. Gain the customer's trust. And the only way you're going to gain uh, customers or people's trust is that be honest with them and treat them the way you want to. Instead of like just sell them a product, so sell them a cigar. Ask them what are they like. Did they ever try a cigar before? And start a conversation with just try to know them better before you suggest things. I think it would be so much better that way. Think about it. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you. So go, let's go back again to the last part of my question about um, you, you. So you own, you still own the uh, tobacco, tobacco plus, plus on uh, Eagle Street. Okay. And then you, uh, did you have another store before you opened? Well, no, you have the two cigar lounges. That's what you're referring to as the three stores. Uh, tobacco plus, it's not a lounge. It's a kind right. of grab and go tobacco shop. And that's in Hart, downtown Asheville. And we're there from 8 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week. So we've been there for about four or five years. Then me and Brooke realized it's in need or overdue for the cigar lounge in Asheville. And this one, we come up with the Casablanca Cigar Lounge in Biltmore Village. And that's been there about four years? About a little over four years, okay. yes. Uh, and it's been great. We've been growing so far, uh, growing every year. And again, uh, me and Brooke, we are just a small part of what businesses are. Huge part do with the coworkers. And we have about, uh, I think we were about 16 employees touring and we shrink that number down just because of COVID. Um, so let me ask you, who was your first employee at Casablanca Cigars? That was Jackie. Uh, that was Jackie Ackerman. Uh, she worked with us actually a couple of years or a year before we opened uh Casablanca Cigar Lounge, and she's great. She's been with us. Uh, great help. Uh, Jackie and the rest of the crew take a lot of credits uh, for Casablanca. Um, I think it's a cool story, but uh, just to tell you the value of our coworkers and the trust that we trust those guys who's working with us. Six months after... Um, Five months after we opened Casablanca Cigar Lounge, um, I started seeing a gentleman, uh, his name Tim, that he was one of our customers. He started coming and enjoyed the lounge. And at that time, I was thinking, honestly, I really got burned up 
uh, being in uh, both businesses 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and married and have kids. So um, I'll make a long story short on that one. Uh, Tim was one of our uh, customers, and I begged him and go after him to start working with us. And uh, first impression, he said, was like, son, I'm, uh, I'm retired. I'm not looking for a job. I just want to have a cigar and peace of mind, drink my Diet Coke, and read my book. <laughs> that was the first comment he said. And I didn't give up on him. Uh, he got a 30 years worth of experience in a restaurant bar industry. And uh, I was bugging him a lot until he accepted my offer and he started working with us. Um, and that's just him. And I'm not just talking about him because he's the only uh, important part of the puzzle, but literally every single one of us. Uh, but just it was funny how he was a customer. And he said, I'm retired, son. I'm not looking for a job and just keep bugging him every day. And he quit showing for a couple of weeks, by the way, because I think I'm making him upset. <laughs> so the first time I walked into Casablanca, tobacconist in Hendersonville, right here on Main Street. Uh, it's, it, it, by the way, this looks like a beautiful Main Street, USA. Thank when you. they say Main Street, uh, this is this is what I think of in America, Hendersonville, North Carolina. But anyway, I came in here. Um, Tim was here and I just checked in. It was a Friday evening. And I said, hey, we're gonna, I'm, um, I understand Madison Cawthorn is a customer of yours. He suggested we do the podcast here. We're gonna do it tonight, Friday night. Um, so I talked to Tim and he was expecting us to come back here. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that was the week that Madison was in DC, gave his great speech, uh, during the convention and he, um, actually missed his flight that day. Uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in DC, apparently that day. And so he missed his flight. And so we rescheduled it for Saturday afternoon, which is when we ended up doing it. But, um, uh, my friend Giovanni was also here passing through North Carolina and my friend Lance Barnett. And so we went down the street and got some food and we said, oh, you know, let's just go back by Casablanca here in Hendersonville and, and see if uh, we can at least pick up a cigar before they close. Okay. And uh, I understand um, maybe I shouldn't publicize this on the podcast, but uh, I understand your normal hours. You close around 8 p.m. or so. But sometimes if people are hanging out here and uh, the, the your employees don't have anywhere to go home necessarily uh, right away. They, they may let the people stick around, which is so generous. I've never seen that. Very rare to see that in any business. Well, here's um, the reason why. Sorry, I cut yeah. you off. We really love and enjoy what we do. Um, all of us, with no exceptions, have passion and love this industry. We take pride of what we're doing. So if we close at 8 and I have a customer here, we stay, I stay here as late as midnight, actually 1 a.m. One, one day, um, just with few customers. And why? They were smoking cigars and we have great conversation. This is the place, if you want to relax, you should be at Casablanca. Yeah. Either the one in Biltmore or Hendersonville. And we have two kind of customers, either the ones that's, they already have a great day and they want to finish it with great cigar and they come to enjoy us and it will definitely make it worth the trip or the ones that have sadly a bad day and they want to convert it to a good day so they can come and join us for a cigar. Either or we always we have a happy ending customer. Right. So always most of our customers with few exceptions that before they leave, they have a huge smile and thank you before they leave. And that's what you get when you do what you love and when you have a passion. Time, it doesn't matter. We 
We are patient with our customers. We love to serve you. We love to pick up a cigar for you. We love to bring you even to the industry and show you more about the cigars and, and, and the rest of it. I encourage anybody from out of town or in town who not visit us, please stop by. Please give us a shot. Uh, stop by, introduce yourself. Uh, James at Casablanca Cigar Lounge in Asheville or Evan or Tim or Jackie or any member from us We'll love to walk you through what we do and just introduce ourselves. We want you to smoke cigar. We want you to enjoy the smoking a cigar. We have all kind of customers. We have males. We have females. We have younger crowd. We have older crowd. We have um, ladies coming in, uh, enjoy the cigar as well. We have uh, senators. We have bankers. We have constructions guys. We have students. You name it. We're not focusing only in one demographic. We are wide open. Um, and I will invite anybody to stop by and say hello. Yeah, well, you know what? I've always found that you, you can meet just about any kind of person in a cigar lounge uh, from any background, whether whether you share or disagree on any number of topics or that you know lifestyles whatever it doesn't matter no uh everybody's friends in a cigar lounge you just have a good time and you're all there to relax so back to my story we came here um it was friday night i think it was like nine o'clock and just wanted to see if they were still open that we can grab a cigar and we thought we'd just head out and tim was so friendly and he said well if you want you could just hang out here like i you know um you know, uh, my, I'll, I'll be able to stick around for a little while. And we, we stuck around here till about 11, 1130 with him. I felt, I felt bad, but we got to know Tim and he's awesome. He told us the whole story about how you recruited him. And here he is a couple years later. Is this right? Yes. Uh, yes. And, and also let's get back to the story of when you recruited Tim, because, you know, he was a customer. My understanding is you would sort of, he would sort of come into uh, the lounge in Asheville and maybe read a book. You know, he's retired. He's living the life. He's mm -hmm. having a cigar a few times a week, mm -hmm. reading a book. Uh, that's my, uh, he's living, he's living the dream right there. So, uh, and then one day you tapped him on the shoulder and said, let's talk tomorrow, right? This is, this is the story. <laughs> he's told me the whole story. Yeah. And so tell me about, you talked to the next day and you pestered him a few more times because he, he told you I'm retired. I'm going to do yep. this. And you, this, this, I don't know how long this went on for. It he probably, on. you probably were risking losing a customer, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, it went on for, for not long. I think less than a, I think less than a week, if I'm not okay. mistaken. And just to go back to a point that I started and I did not finish, just to show you how much um, respect I have for my coworkers and how much trust uh, we have on our coworkers. Uh, for some reason, I'm like, I don't like to call them employees. They are our coworkers. Yeah. We are working as a team. Um, so when I hired him, and that was like, it's about five months after we opened Biltmore uh, location, I take off to Morocco. And I take off for Wait, over... Wait, how, how much longer after you hired him? I think it was a couple of days. <laughs> so, hey, Tim, can you run my, uh, my business? Um, oh, I'm going to Morocco. So Literally, what happened next? Uh, he was like, well, I, I thought you just hired me. I was like, yeah, but you have 30 years worth of experience. I don't think you need somebody to show you what to do. And literally left everybody for about over two years. I was coming back every uh, three or four months just to check on everybody. I even have uh, emails and phone calls from customers like, hey, you disappeared. Did you sold the place to Tim? Or you sold the place to your coworkers? Because everybody was carrying the weight. Everybody was proud and honored of what they're doing. Um, 
they don't need somebody to show them around or tell them what to do on a daily basis. Everybody knows what to do. And it was, it's, it was and it's still great team, great flow. Uh, we know each other on like family level. Um, and uh, Tim was kind of shocked. He said, I, did, I didn't thought that was part of the deal. I was like, well, part of the deal that was working here, not being with you. <laughs> and uh, just telling you how much trust we have on our coworkers. And I will never doubt it. Yeah, that's amazing. So again, just for those that might be listening, just to, to reiterate here, uh, Sam hires Tim and he also you also had other great coworkers mm-hmm. there uh, that had been there a long time. A f- a f- within days of hiring Tim, you you piece off to Morocco for two years <laughs> and come back every <laughs> few months, a couple, couple times a year, I guess. Um, but you were there for two years uh, and you went there with your wife. Did you have any children at that point? Yes. At that point, we have uh, two children. Now we have three. Um, one of them was born in Belgium, but that was a long story. But uh, yes, so I heard m- the long story last time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, five months after we opened. Uh, I see everybody, work ethics, the trust level. And I was like, you know what? I think me and Brooke burn up a little bit to put a lot of time and efforts and energy and money to those businesses. It's time to take the back seat and enjoy life a little bit. Yeah. So, and you didn't, that was just, you just had the two, you had tobacco plus, plus, uh, plus tobacco plus and, um, Casablanca uh, Casablanca cigars in Asheville, both in Asheville. You take off for two years. Um, you're, you get your, you get a place to live in Casablanca. Correct. Right. And, and then you got to see your family, I imagine, and catch up with a lot of people. So it had been, I mean, I know you, you had traveled back there at least a few times in those number of years, but 2005, this is now what, 2017, 18. When did you go to 17. 2017. Um, and you were able to still work remotely, kind of like a lot of people are working remotely, Correct. except you actually have a physical place that people go, customers go. It's not like you're working remotely and doing someone's, you know, taxes over the phone or something, right? You're doing all these, but you're, you're handling the, the paperwork of the business, um, could still being connected to your, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, it's, it's something that we can do in this day and age that we're lucky through the power of technology, you know, pick up the phone, call someone, be on the internet, you know, all these sorts of things. But you go, uh, I, I understand you also took about, uh, what was it about six months to travel around Europe? And, and I did. Yeah, I did. That was when we were in Morocco and uh, I lost my grandma and I was really close mm. to her a lot. And um, we decided to let's get some fresh air. Let's go travel. And my wife was pregnant at that time. So we traveled to Europe. That's how she had the baby delivered in Belgium. So she, you're traveling with a pregnant <laughs> wife along Europe. And you're just you're just like, I think you did. You you had some family. Who had, somebody had some family in Belgium? Yeah, I have uh, family and uh, friends in Belgium. But I was staying uh, with my sister uh, for a couple months while Brooke uh, delivered the baby. And she healed up in the baby as well. And we keep traveling. Um, just pop in, <laughs> pop in Belgium, pop out a baby, keep traveling. That's just an unbelievable I mean, if, story if, in when and of you itself. Have, when you have great a partner, when you have someone that you really enjoy every second, every single moment or every single second in your life, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what circumstances. If if you truly care to love each other and and ready to give up certain things for each other, this is what you get out of it. Yeah. Um, don't forget, Just so you mentioned only the technology that will let us do certain things like that. But also, don't forget the core. If you cannot trust your coworkers, mm-hmm. if you cannot believe on them and take them, take the proud and take calls and take decisions, 
you'll never be able to leave. I know so many business owners that they cannot leave the business for a day. I literally mm-hmm. can pick up my clothes and leave today and I'm sure I'll be fine. Yeah, the trust in the coworkers, that's that's key. They are your coworkers. You have to trust them. That's actually part of your part of the success. And the loyalty by them as well to oh, stick absolutely. there to know that, you know, cuz they could two months later have a change in life plans or you know, you don't know what you're going to anticipate. And, but they really must really enjoy um, and value working here. Uh, and also, you know, it must be a good livelihood for them. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoy this area in Western North Carolina. You know, I've always loved Asheville. It's always been one of my favorite cities in the country. And I got to spend a lot of time in Hendersonville, uh, you know, two or so months ago when I was here. And then now this week, and I just really love it. And um, you just great people with just a lot of great values, but that you can find. So I'm sure a lot of people just love living here too. Oh, absolutely. And the weather is incredible. The populations grow here every year in Western yeah. North Carolina. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much we grow. And while I was going, by the way, uh, that two years while I was in vacation in Morocco, uh, one of the trips that we came back just to visit the shops, we ended up buying this building in Hendersonville and we grow. Right after you got back? No. Or while you were there? While I was there. Oh, wow. So I was going just for about a year and a half or so, and we crossed this uh, this property, and we love it. And I talked with my coworkers, and I picked their brands and said, well, guys, what do you think? And they said, go for it. Well, obviously, they come here and take a drive by, and we walk around, and they really love it. And they tell me, go for it. We can do it. And we did it. So we bought the building, go back again to Morocco, stay there for another year, year or so. Then we decided to come back here just to open uh, this location. And the goal was hit back to Morocco, but with COVID, we got... Uh, so when did you open this location in Hendersonville? When did, I mean, when did you like officially purchase it and then actually open the doors for customers? We purchased it at the, uh, in 2018. This one, we bought the property. And we opened the doors in June 2020. Wow, so you opened the doors what, two or three months into the COVID shutdown. Now, my understanding, the Asheville location has a nice bar where you serve, you know, all sorts of beverages, alcoholic beverages. And, you know, obviously a lot of places do a lot of business uh, that way. And I'm, and then, but with the, with the lockdowns, I know there's still, I don't know, must, I don't know if it started in March for you here, but uh, the governor and I'm sure local governments and everything have shut down bars. Correct. Right. And you are classified as a bar. Well, we have uh, a cigar lounge and we have a retail shop. So we have uh, the lounge. It's completely closed, but the retail side, it's still open and um, beautiful setup. uh, Great marble in the floor. We have a see-through fireplace in uh, Biltmore. You can sit down with this cold weather. You can uh, really nice fire up a great cigar and sit down near the fireplace. Is that outside? No, it's inside. Inside. Okay. I didn't see an outside area. No, we don't have a patio in uh, Asheville location. We just have indoor. We got a great uh, fireplace. It's a see-through. It's about seven feet wide. Uh, We also have a conference room that we have a lot of business Mm. uh, people that come in, do business them or bring them clients so they can have a cigar where they talk business. Uh, We also have... uh, beautiful TV that they connect to their devices so they can talk strategy or show them whatever they want. Uh, we also have a setup near the window so you can sit down near the window, beautiful, comfortable chairs. Uh, again, we help you pick the right cigar for you and um, enjoy a cigar while you're watching the traffic or you can sit at the bar, talk to with James or Josh or Evan 
uh, to show you around. Or if you want to sit down by the fireplace and just peace of mind and just watch the fire, enjoy the smoke, they'll be great as well. Uh, we play a lot of sports. Uh, I'm not going to classify ourselves as a sport bar, but we, we have few sports. We also sure. have three TVs. Um, then one at the conference room. Uh, in Hendersonville location, uh, we have a lounge indoor and outdoor. So as you can tell, we are now at the patio. Uh, we're also going to get heaters as well so they can keep us warm on the winter. Or if you want to sit down inside uh, with Tim or part of our crew, Jackie or Roz, you are very welcome uh, to that as well. And you don't have a, um, a liquor license here yet? No, we do not. Uh, and I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, as we people probably should know, business owners face a lot of challenges. And one challenge sometimes, especially if you're dealing with... Um, well, tobacco or alcohol, right, or things like that. Those are mu much more highly regulated things. You, you probably run into a lot of regulations as a business owner itself. But uh, my understanding is there's, in a lot of cities, especially small towns like this, there's a lot more, um, you know, there's just restrictions on how many liquor licenses are allowed to be had. And you maybe have to buy one from someone or wait till one opens up right i know what you're talking about but no that's not in this city uh okay and that's not why we don't have a liquor license okay and that's a really long story we won't I'm... get into that <laughs> yeah well, well i'd rather not talk about yeah, it yeah. but yes we don't have a liquor license um we just sell cigars soft drinks and beautiful setup inside or at the outside patio and we cannot wait until we go back to our normal uh business, I guess, or, uh, how has COVID, uh, you know, I know it's affected a lot of businesses. How has it affected you t in, you know, in totality with your, th with your three shops, particularly the one in Asheville? Believe it or not. Yes. We lose the lounge, uh, or the bar sales or the alcohol sales, but we growth actually compared to last year, our customers show us so much support and love and they want this place, uh, to stay open. Uh, matter of fact, I got a customer one time, he was joking. He said, Sam, I'm going to sue you one day. And I was like, why? He said, if you close this place, I will promise I will go after you. <laughs> so we have a lot of support from our customers. And actually, uh, we gain more business uh, now uh, compared to last year. Yes, when March and April hit, we close actually the doors. We don't have to close. Mm. We choose to close. And the reason I choose to close all the businesses, just because we care about our coworkers. I don't want to put anybody in danger. Um, and again, I talked with my coworkers and all the staff and they said, it's better to close down. So when we closed the shops, all three of them, um, we start the renovation in Hendersonville location and we bring a, a beautiful humidor and uh, we built a brand new one in Asheville uh, for the customers uh, who not been there. We got a great massive humidor a uh, lot of inventory to choose from, great inventory to choose from. If you yeah, one of the one of the better ones I've seen around the country. I mean, I, I go to a Absolutely. lot of cigar lounges. And, you know, speaking of how it's just such a nice, relaxing atmosphere, um, I was there with my friend Giovanni, and we were there and with another friend uh, yesterday, and it was kind of late in the afternoon when we got there, maybe 3, 4 o'clock. And I don't know, after being there an hour or so, we were just totally relaxed. And by the way... I'm, uh, we were there two days after, you know, election day. And there's a lot of craziness going on in the country right now and a lot of anxiety and everything. And, and, you know, people are watching all sorts of results and everything. And 
we were there for like an hour and Giovanni turns to me and he goes, now I see why you like cigar lounges so much. Boy, I feel so relaxed. It's different. This it's, is a great, we get to talk to different people who we, you know, we just, you, there's no strangers in a cigar no, lounge. No, no. You can walk as a stranger, matter of fact. Right. And I promise you that you will not walk away with stranger. Uh, and I'm talking either customers or our coworker. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will make you feel welcome. We'll make you feel like we've been seeing you for years. That's what we love to do. We're not just selling cigars. We, we, we create something that was needed in Asheville or Hendersonville. Uh, also, we don't cut corners. I really do not like cut corners. Uh, we're not a regular, uh, regular tobacco or cigar shop that's around the corner. Um, but we are leg- legitimately, we are tobacconists and the tobacconists that really make us be special in the tobacco industry and know what we're talking about. And we take it with the proud. I mean, as you said, you really feel comfortable. Your friend said that, you, you know why, or I know why you like the cigars mm-hmm. now. You will walk as a stranger, but I promise you before you leave, you feel like, wow. It's, you feel like, we will make you feel like you've been here so many times. So Sam, you know, it's interesting because I, one of the reasons I started this podcast five years ago was through my main job, I meet a lot of, you know, business people who are supporters of different organizations I've, I've uh, worked for. And I oftentimes meet them and a lot of people meet them at their point of success, right? Uh, Somebody who, you know, you've seen their business, they've, it's grown, they have multiple, uh, you know, employees, they've created a lot of jobs, they create a great, comfortable experience for customers, you know, whatever it is in, in the line of work they do. But we often don't hear um, the hard work story, the challenges. Um, and, and you know, we're, we're getting, uh, I think, just a little look into your life and into your last 15 years. I know that all those hours and days and years, you know, they, they probably, what did it feel like? I mean, because I feel like it, maybe there's a young person listening now, maybe they're in high school or college, maybe there's an immigrant listening who just came here, um, you know, whatever the situation is. And they're like, why do I need to be washing dishes in a restaurant for very low wages? I want to do, I want to be that guy over there. Right. I want to be, I want to be the owner. I want to be running it. Um, even though the, there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, it doesn't matter uh, how successful you are, but how, for somebody who says, I want to get to that point, but gosh, that's a lot of hard. I mean, they don't, maybe they don't know where to start or maybe it just seems like the days drag and the, and the living situations may not be comfortable. The, you know, just what, what would you say to that person that might be listening? That's, that's why, like, what advice would what you might give to them? Do it. Nothing better than starting from, from scratch. Start from the bottom and work your way up. It feels so much better. You feel honored. You feel like you're doing something. You feel like you are um, self-sufficient, I would say. Um, I did not mention part of my uh, journey that I was homeless at a certain point. Mm. Um, and that did not happen right after I come to the U.S. because I have uh, great family members that they walked me into the U.S. and they offered me a job and place to stay and they want to help me as much as they can. And I really, really appreciate a lot what they do. And I, didn't, I don't take anything for granted. Uh, but I did not mention part of my journey that I was homeless for a while. And and it's okay. It's, it's fine. When don't you say homeless, were you like, what do you mean by that? Were you sleeping on the street? What? I was sleeping under the bridge. Mm. 
and it's fine. It, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine with it. It taught me a lot more things, making me actually be stronger to build my personality. Uh, and uh, most people will not mention if they were homeless. I would say it with proud. I was homeless. I did it. I sleep under the bridge. It was rough, but make you appreciate anything you have. It make you appreciate roof above your head, food on the table, cigar in your hand, clothes above your shoulder. It just, it's part of, part of the life. Uh, regardless if you are immigrants or not, have a goal. Stuck to it. Have a plan. And don't have just plan A. Have plan A, B, C, D, E. If this one did not work, you jump to the other one. Then next. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being homeless. Nothing wrong with working uh, hard. Uh, it is something wrong with working under minimum wage. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. That's mean people take advantage out of you. And that's sad. Uh, but that should not stop you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Move on. You'll be fine. I promise you. Uh, have a goal. Believe something. And and know what are you hitting. Don't just go with the flow. Actually, yes or no. Go with the flow, but make sure you have a goal right. ahead of you. Make sure you have a plan that you're going to follow. Um, so speaking of that plan, I think I remember when I talked to you a few months ago, um, you really talked about, you, you probably had to sacrifice a lot of things. You're talking about, you know, uh, I think you were eating McDonald's. I mean, this is, and this is, I'm not talking about, well, this, is the, this is past the homeless days, I think. Uh, when you and Brooke were living, you know, finally mm-hmm. married and just starting those that first business. And talk about the like, you know, without having to get into specifics necessarily, but what your budget was like, because and were you how much were you investing in your savings? Because I know you just talked about your goal. Your goal was to start a business. Did you have like a number in mind of we got to save this amount of money to you know be able to open up our own business? And what, what, what was that sacrifice like every month in terms of putting money away rather than, you know, going out and just eating at a restaurant every week or, or every year, you know? <laughs> uh, that's a good question, actually. Uh, me and Brooke, I can't remember exactly, but either it was, I think it was 40 or $60 budget for me and her to spend a week and that's in grocery that's on everything on everything what about rent no that was not include the rent rent but everything but every uh, kind of living other like food gas food gas uh it was literally 60 dollars a week that was our budget between two people between two people again you need someone to do its teamwork and I was lucky enough to have a wife that will, nothing will scare her to do or she will not just like, well, I need to party. And remember, we were in our 20s. Mm-hmm. And personally, I did not enjoy it in my 20s as like any normal 20-year-old um, person, male or female. I just work so hard and save as much as I can. And $60 a week budget for food and gas, it was doable. It was hard. But it's doable and you need to give up something to get to point B. If you want to get, reach your goals, if you want to be successful, you got to give up something. At least if your father rich enough uh, to give you a couple million dollars or a couple hundred thousand to start a business, that would be great. That was not the case with my dad. Uh, as I mentioned, my mom and dad, they were successfully and they have great jobs. But dad gave me $300 for a reason. I didn't know it back in the days. But Dylan Rose was like, I know why he did that. 
He wants me to be self-sufficient and count on myself and be a man or be a person, not even a man. Either man or lady can do it. Be a person, count on yourself. Don't wait for people to do your job. Do it yourself. Uh, get up in the morning. Get up early. Be successful. Man manage your time. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, I remember, because you asked about the budget, the first couple of years when we opened uh, Tobacco Plus uh, in downtown Asheville, we have a small fast food restaurant, or I guess they are big, uh, Jimmy John's, and they were walking around town. They give a quarter sandwich as a sample so you can try it. And they know that was just me and Brooke being working there, and they give us uh, three quarters, so less than, uh, I guess, six-inch subtotal of mm -hmm. this uh, sample food. And literally, sometimes me and Brooke, this all we eat all day. Wow. But you know what? Sometimes I really believe in, you know, and I, I go back to uh, maybe it was about two years ago. Uh, a friend of mine recommended this book called The Alchemist. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm forgetting Paul Coelho, Paul Coelho. He's written a lot of books. It's a fiction book, but it's a fiction book that really applies to your lot, like could apply to anybody's life. But one of the comments in that book is about how sometimes when you have a goal, you have a plan, when you have a vision, the, the universe will conspire to help you get there. And that might just mean, you know, people in your life around you, but it could be the guy down the street uh, with the Jimmy Johns. Somehow, something in the universe was conspiring to get you some food that day. You know, when you guys were, were just looking and scrounging. And sometimes we don't open our eyes and see these things happening around us. Sometimes we don't even realize until five, ten years later um, that some, you know, all these things were happening. But we were focused on a purpose, a mission, a goal. And we were just driven to get there. We were going to do it any, any way we could. And the universe conspired to help us as well. And sometimes the universe can conspire against you too. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of obstacles along the way. Uh, getting back to what your dad did for you, or you know, you might have thought at the time didn't do for you in terms mm -hmm. of just 300 bucks, see you in America, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, where things are pretty expensive too and compared to a lot of places in the world. Um, what are you doing for your kids? I feel like I remember a story where you, you're, one of your uh, children were helping you in the store. Maybe they wanted a piece of candy or something. I can't remember. But are there any, are there any learning lessons you've taken from your dad or your parents that you've applied to your own children? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before I answer that question, let me just go back uh, to one point I really would like to mention. Not just because I've been through a rough path or I worked so hard, I would advise everybody to do the same thing. Work smart if you can, but if it's not happening, if it's not possible and you have to work hard, do it. Don't be afraid. It's just work. And I would advise you to choose something that you love to do so you can do it. Like you look at it like fun. Like when we hear, we don't look at it as work. We, we are having fun together. And that makes We're huge on a podcast difference. smoking cigars. It makes a huge uh, <laughs> difference. Um, and go back to your point now about my kids. Yes, uh, anytime they walk with me to Tobacco Plus and they want a candy, I was like, okay, you can have a candy, but you can tell I think that window needs to be cleaned up a little bit. So I give them a window cleaner and a piece of towel, and they clean the windows one day with me. Uh, I talked with my uh, seven-year-old daughter about the – the business, believe it or not. Yes, she's young, but if she can hear me now talking about business and numbers and strategies, um, 
she can learn a lot from it. Don't be afraid to talk to your kids. I mean, don't look at them just because they are six years old. They don't know anything. Kids are smart. And if they can pick something now, it's stuck for life. I'm trying to teach my kids to nothing for free, work for things, um, make sure they clean up and uh, clean up their bedroom before they come to breakfast, make sure they clean the mess after themselves versus like me and Brooke helped them do it. And Brooke, she's a great uh, partner to uh, help me teach the kids certain things like that. And, and we love it. That's great. Well, this has been, Sam, a really incredible conversation to get a little um, window into your life and your story. And uh, it's really just, to me, when I met you and I learned your story, I just thought to myself, this is, you're just like the epitome of the American dream. And also to think about how you came here, you worked so hard, you had that opportunity to go back to Baraka for two years. I know you want to get back there. Um, and uh, what, what, one last question I want to ask you, and we can, we can um, you know, take it anything else you may want to say, but w what would you say about this country coming to America? I know you mentioned something a little bit at the beginning of this conversation about a land of opportunity. Some people might say that in this day and age, uh, maybe the opportunities have dried up a little bit more than maybe when my dad came here from Cuba in 1960, or maybe it's just harder, you know, um, you mentioned the minimum wage. Uh, when you're working in a restaurant, sometimes you don't even get minimum wage or depending on tips or other things. Uh, people might even take advantage of immigrants, uh, whether it be people working in the fields or, you know, whatever it is. But are there still opportunities? Is, uh, is America still the land of opportunity? And what would you say to people, you know, whether they aren't sure about that? It's still the land of opportunities. It's still a lot of more opportunities out there. Don't wait for the opportunities to come to you. Create your own opportunities. Create a job for yourself. Don't wait for people handle you things. Get up and do something. It's still a lot of opportunities here. It's one of the best countries in the world. It is, it is the American dream, and I've been lucky enough to leave it. Uh, being surrounded with great people. Uh, yes, once in a while you have certain people that you don't want to be around with, but hey, life is not perfect. Um, my advice for people to be entrepreneur or they want to come to this country, you are very welcome. This country based on immigrants. Uh, don't nobody gonna change that. It's the history. It's part of history, and we all study that. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, where you coming from. Uh, you can make it. You definitely can make it. It's land of opportunities. You, let's put it that way. You get out of it whatever you put into it. Mm -hmm. The hard work that I did and treat people the way they want to be treated, and they trust me, and I trust them. Um, street go both ways. A lot of things could be done. And one thing that I really remember being in the U.S. for the last 15 years, a lot of hard worker, a lot of honest people, and people take proud of what they're doing. No one can change that. Yeah, and I have one last question. When, And I'm not sure if we answered this, but I know you when you came to the United States, you, ended, you flew into Atlanta and you ended up in how did you why did you choose to go to Durham? Why did you choose to come to North Carolina? Um, was there any were there any family connections, personal connections? Yes, was 
absolutely. I did not choose, actually. Uh, our family member leave, or they used to, in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And when they know I was decided to think that I'm going to be here, they invite me over. And they said, you don't have to worry about anything. Not a job or money or somewhere to stay or take care of you. Just come on in. Just uh, be with us. Come on over. And if you didn't like it, you can take off. And uh, I take them on that, and I show up here. Great document. They treat you really well. They treat me really well. And after six months be with them, for some reason, I was like, you know what? I want to be on my own again. That mm. was not part of the deal. That, that I did not imagine that when I come here. And I did go back and be on my own, and it was rough route. It was really rough and live it and learn from it and, and move on. You know, there's really something about the entrepreneurial person or maybe even just the, an entrepreneurial attitude in America. Maybe we're losing it among some people. I'm not sure. But I feel like there is this sense of like pride in making it on your own. Like you had the family member that came here. You Nobody really does anything on their own. I mean, you really do, whether it's a personal connection, maybe it's somebody, maybe it's the guy from Jimmy John's, you know, helping you that day with food, whatever it was. Um, you know, people, we, we do rely a lot on people's generosity and, and, and opportunities, but at the same time, you know, you didn't want to just be complacent with having a place to stay. You also, um, just decided after six months, Hey, I want to go do this on my own and, and, and branch out. So I, th- I do think there is something to that attitude and maybe that's part of the success of somebody who's more entrepreneurial. Part of it, but uh, I would say Brooke took a lot of credit for that as well. Yeah. When you have whatever you want to call it, a partner, husband, wife, a friend that willing to go with you all the way to the end, make things a lot easier. When you have, when you are surrounded by great coworkers and good people that all want to do, it's help you grow and they grow and they have a job that they can be comfortable on. And they can reach me on any level, either personal or business, and talk. We are open. That kind of atmosphere that me and Brooke creates in the company. We are not. How I'm gonna how I'm gonna say it. Yes, our names are in the buildings in the business, but we are not are we are not better than them. The boss who's work hard and pull the weight. Me and Brooke can go clean the bathrooms if we have to. We can mop if we have to. We can do anything. It doesn't matter who, which position you have in the company. If the job needs to be done, it has to be done. Period. Yeah, well, I think that's a great way to end it because we the job is being done here in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. And if you're uh, in this area of the country, I'm not, I know a lot of people love to visit in this area of the country. I really encourage you, especially if you're a cigar aficionado or even just a beginner, uh, come by, check out um, Casablanca Cigars in Asheville. It's in the Biltmore Village. Or stop by here in uh, Hendersonville, about 30 minutes south. Uh, Beautiful Main Street here. You can do a lot of great shopping and great food, good restaurants. And then you could could, uh, end your day or begin your day, however you want, uh, at the uh, uh, Casablanca Tobacconist here on Main Street. So thank you so much, uh, Sam and Tim, and uh, I don't know where Joey's at, but he's always hanging around here. And uh, thank you all for welcoming us back to the Casablanca Tobacconist. And also yesterday when we were in uh, in Asheville, the Casablanca Cigars, uh, really, really great place and good people and great cigars. So thanks so much. 
Thank you, Francisco. Thanks for the crew who we have at Casablanca and Tobacco Plus. Thanks, Brooke, for your support. Really appreciate it. We can do it without you. Uh, we cannot do it without you guys also, all the members. Thanks for being here again. Thank you. Get there.